This is episode 79, Bloodshot 2020. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe Two, and this episode is brought to you by Jeep, a lifetime of freedom. Since 1941, Jeep brand vehicles have inspired people everywhere to dream and to dare. Their brand is built on the pillars of freedom, adventure, authenticity, and passion. I looked on the internet car movie database. Internet movie car? Car movie. Internet car movie. Yes, internet car movie database. Internet Movie Cars Database. I was trying to figure out at the end when Vin is in that one British sports car, what kind of car it was. And that's not listed, but the, the, one of the cars that was listed. I think it's an MG. I'm not sure, but I think it's an MG. Yeah, I said one of the cars that is listed is a Jeep. So There's so many Jeeps Jeep. in this movie. Yeah. That's why this movie was pretty much sponsored by Jeep, as our episode is sponsored by Jeep. Very, very cool. Well, this is a nothing but time edition, a bonus Friday release of Too Fast, Too Forever for the new, hot new VOD movie, Bloodshot which is now available to buy from yes. 1999 wherever you find fine motion pictures. But before we talk about that, Joe, we've got our top of the show festivities, activities, discussion points, extracurricular activities. Fastivities. What have you been up to since we recorded three days ago? Anything of note? N- not really, but I have made two a pizza. things. I had a pizza today. Yes, I made another pizza. My pizzas are going well. I'm getting pretty proud of them. Wait, if I told you about my friend who has a pizza oven that's like the 500 degree pizza oven or whatever, and like you basically cook a pizza for 90 seconds and it's done? No, I mean, a lot of people have, they're really cool. And my friends have always been like, oh man, like you should get a pizza oven. That will be so cool to have. And I'm like, yeah, but then I have to heat the pizza oven. Right. And there's just Rachel and I, so we eat, like, one pizza. Yeah. So, like, either I host, like, 40 people to eat pizzas at my house all the time, or I have a pizza oven that, like, I never use. You know what I mean? Like, if I had kids, this would make a lot more sense, you know what I mean? Yeah, this is, like, an outdoor one that he has that's, like, wood-powered, and, like, it gets up to, like, fire, some crazy high temperature. like, it's 700, 900 degrees. Like, they get really hot. Maybe like that. For yeah, 30 and seconds, like they're, yeah. They're like the mini pizzas, like they're probably six or eight inches, and you just throw it in there, and like you just, it's just basically almost instantly done. Yep. And it's cool, but like it's a very niche device. I mean, it's big too, right? So like you need space to put it. Like it's very cool, and basically every time he has a barbecue or a hangout or whatever, he will sous vide uh, some kind of barbecue or some Meats, kind of like brisket yeah. or something, and then he'll also do these pizzas. And so like he's got a system down and it works well, but it's a very sort of specific... Well, because you have to heat the pizza oven too. Like you have to like yeah. get it started so it gets like to temp, right? Because the dome has to get like really hot for it to actually cook them that fast and not like burn the bottom and not cook the top. I love the idea of it. I wish I had a use for one and I would really enjoy playing with one. But at the same time, I'm like, I'm not going to invest in a pizza oven when I'm not going to use it that often. So that's my thoughts on the pizza oven stuff. So. Yeah. Is there anything else you've done? Yes, I watched the movie The Hunt. We didn't talk about this. You said that you were going to talk. You're going to read some things and talk. We we're going to talk about it after you watched, and you did not. We did not. No, it was it was fun. It was just like a fun pass the time kind of movie. So we watched that. It was kind of like what is it like? Kind of like The Purge. Kind of like Cabin in the Woods. Kind of right. Like one of these. Well, I wouldn't compare it to Cabin in the Woods because Cabin in the Woods is a very meta. Like that's beyond what this is. This is basically yeah, this is sort okay. of the purge. This is a class warfare. So I was telling you that the the background of this movie it was supposed to come out last year, and then either Donald Trump or Mike Pence or just the administration or just those kind like right wing pundits that like got it up to yeah. Trump, like they all got very upset about this, and so they delayed it, and then it came out this year, and then coronavirus hit, and so it got jumped on VOD, which I thought it would have probably gotten dumped on VOD last year. But there's a time last year, in the middle of last year, where like, oh, this movie is never coming out. 
script. Uh, okay. The craziest thing to me is that it's written by Damon Lindelof, who I don't know if you know that name. No. But he co-created Lost. He created oh. The Leftovers. He created the new Watchmen series. Oh. Like, arguably my favorite TV writer of all time. Yeah. I wish I liked this movie more. I think... It's fun. It's just a movie. It's not, like... Yeah, it's not I mean, excellent. the disappointing thing yeah. to me about this administration, without getting political, but, like, when the president was elected, people were just like, oh, this is going to be despair. I was like, no, there's a there's a ray of hope here that there's going to be great art that comes from this. Because whenever people are upset, like, yeah, especially... You said this. Yeah, we talked about you know, this when it happened. Yeah, you're like, SNL, whatever, all these things can... There's a lot of... There's going to be a lot of content. Every Almost everything that has been in response to the current administration has been so on the nose and so lacking subtlety, lacking in subtlety, that it doesn't... It's not interesting. Like, it's... Like, people are just so angry that they can't even make nuanced art like the american horror story series like the exactly or like this movie where like i feel like if you had done this movie without the politics i would have really liked this movie but because you're like oh like they're they're using all the trigger words like intentionally yep. they're doing it on yep. purpose but it just feels so obvious and so played out and so hackneyed that i was like oh this takes it from a movie that a movie that i really could have loved into a movie that i just kind of liked that's and fair. It's, it's just frustrating that I thought that we would have this like great renaissance for art, that all these people that would be upset, no, it just didn't happen. And <laughs> it's just disappointing. So, uh, yeah, bummer. I can see it. But, I mean, I like the movie. I think that there was, there was really cool action. There was, like, a lot of it was, like, violent stuff, like, yeah. uh, spoilers. It, jump ahead 30 seconds if you don't want to hear this, but, like, Emma Roberts is in the movie and dies, like, five minutes. It's just, like, Which what? I didn't like, see coming, yeah. I didn't even know she was that's in it. I was like, oh, spoiler. I can't believe... Oh, that's why I didn't know she was in it. Okay. Yeah, same. I was like, oh, look, it's her. Like, she's in it. And then she's gone. Yeah. Like, immediately. And so I think a lot of it is cool in that regard, but I just wish that it was more subtle as opposed to just, like, trying to poke fun. Like, I know that's poking fun at us too sensitive and whatever. Like, you know, everybody, right? Like, it's, yeah. it's trying to make fun of everybody. I feel like because it's making fun of everyone, nothing is super effective about it. Fair. Like I said, I watch it as a fun, yeah. like, horror film. If you're not expecting much which I wasn't. I was expecting The Purge. So I saw this. I was like, oh, that was interesting. It, it killed an hour and a half. It's not very long. That's the best part about it. Well, I will tell you that I just watched this morning, which is in a similar vein where a not-so-subtle message whatsoever, but also kind of a horror movie. There's a new movie that's on Netflix that played at Fantastic Fest last year called The Platform. And Ooh. it is a Spanish-language movie that mm. started out on Netflix dubbed instead of subtitled and i was just like what is going on here and i wonder i put this on twitter i wonder if because this is a popular thing like you know how netflix recently rolled out that like top 10 where it's like you can finally see what's trending on netflix no i didn't notice this that's cool i always saw like this is popular what is it like popular now or whatever right but this is actually like they have like a top 10 list like these are the 10 most things that are watched either in the u.s or around the world or whatever Mm, okay tiger king is obviously number one this is number five like the platform right now is number five but it's a movie that i had on my radar because even though i don't go to fantastic fest anymore i just keep an eye on the things and whatever even when i was watching i was like this feels like like it looks like it feels like everything about it was just like when it started and maybe i'm thinking because it was in that top 10 and because more people are finding it instead of defaulting to the spanish language with english subtitles it defaulted to english dubs with no subtitles like just like english Ugh. spoken and i was like why does this look weird and i was like am i watching the right things i know this is a spanish language thing and then i had to like mouse over the languages yeah. and whatever and i was like oh it's just not right but that's all a digression. So this is, again, not a very subtle movie, but a cool movie. And I would say if you have 90 minutes, you're looking for something creepy and weird, watch this. Plus, it's free if you have Netflix. Not that The Hunt's not worth 20 bucks, but, you know, it's it's more it's on the more expensive yeah. thing because it is a new release. But the platform on Netflix is a pretty cool thing worth checking out. Like, I didn't, I didn't really love it. I think, again, if it was a little bit more subtle, it would have been better. But 
I liked it a lot more than The Hunt is one of my, in a kind of otherwise all right year for movies so far. Uh, I think yeah, one, it's been one of the all better right. ones. Yeah. And then I also watched The Way Back, which is that new, other new release, the, the Ben Affleck basketball movie. Have you seen that? Or have you heard about that? No, I've, I've seen it on places. Like, this just came out. So he plays a uh, an alcoholic who is dealing with a loss, and he is recruited to coach a men's high school basketball team. And actually, I recorded an episode of High School Slumber Party with Brian about it, because it's high school. And okay. so that came out this past Monday, as Brian releases bonus episodes, too. So go check that out. But it's cool. It's, it's, it's a very cliche story. But Ben Affleck is really, really, really good in it, and I think it kind of elevates it just in that way. So if you are on the fence, I would say, if you think you're going to like an, sort of an inspirational but like gritty sports movie, check it out. Cool. And the other thing that I've been watching is we got really sucked into this show called Love After Lockup, because I haven't been talking about trash TV on here for a while. So we got sure. sucked into this show called Love After Lockup, and it's about people that like start writing felons or inmates they like go pick them up and try to have a relationship outside of prison and it's exactly what you'd imagine happens which is that these people were in prison for a reason most likely now is this a spin-off because i know that like you know 90 day fiance has like spin-offs and stuff is this a spin-off of anything or is this its own sort of it's its own thing they eventually made a spin-off that was um life after lockup and they just like continued with like the most interesting people from okay. the first two seasons, mm-hmm. right? And they're like, how are they still married? And like, what are they up to? And stuff like that. Beautiful trash for you to watch that there's, you know. Is this all on TLC or where is this? It's all on TLC. I, you know what? It's it, it might be hard to find on On Demand. I think you can like pay for some of the episodes on On Demand and it might be on Hulu or something too. Like the early seasons, like season one and stuff like that, you have to like look for. It's the same show over and over and over again. Just like broken, lost people trying to, it's, it's, it's a really fascinating thing for me. These people come out, they're like, yeah, well, like, they're going to change, and they're going to come out, we're going to get a job and start a family. And it's like, well, they're felons. Every one of these women wants to get married, like, the day after, the, like, this guy gets out of prison. And he's like, I, like, I just got out of prison. You know Wait, what I mean? This show you were, t- were you telling me about this or somebody else where they had, like, three, two or three different people that they were supposed to get out? And, like, there was, there was a, his, the guy had, like, a wife and also an, a fiancé? it was definitely me telling you about it he's married has a kid like this is like one couple he's married has a kid he also has a fiance and like they're still going along with this story he like gets a like the last episode i saw he gets a phone call in the car and they're like he's like going to meet the fiance because he Uh told the wife he finally wants a divorce and so he's like okay so he's in the car and like his phone rings and he's like what are you up to and this and this woman's like oh you know just like was playing with the kids today like putting them away And, and the producer's like is that Megan? Like, is that your fiance? And he's like, uh, no, that's just another woman. <laughs> and everybody in the car is like, what the fuck is going? Like, this Love guy- it. Yeah, he was in jail and he's had like, he has like six girlfriends, like at all times. I'm like, this is awesome. Like, I'm doing this wrong. All these people have like sister wives and shit going on and they're in pr- They can't even talk to them. There's something exotic about the lockup, I guess. Dude, these women love it. They get really yeah. stoked about it. They're like, yeah, man, like I'm really, really fascinated by his past. And it's like, yeah, okay. Cool. Okay. That's what, anyways, that's, that was my, that's what the trash I've been up to. And like, I wasn't, if you, if you like trash TV, that's my latest. 
<laughs> my latest recommendation. One other thing that I've been doing that we, we started, but we have not done session number two yet, is that we've started playing Risk via Google Hangouts, my fancy oh, cool. baseball league. In How does it work? Is it like a digital one, or is, are you playing like everybody has the same board? Well, no, I have a physical board, and I have a second computer set up with a webcam on the board, and I'm basically oh. just playing the game, and everybody's following along from home. Although, so it's five of us playing this first game, and three of us have the game. So I have the quote-unquote official board, and then two other people are basically playing along at home just so they can visualize it and then the other two people are just watching so is everybody is all five people playing like does every like all five of them do they have like a, a character yes so okay. the way that risk it for anybody who doesn't know so there's like four there's i think 42 territories at least in the version we're playing i think that you can get one where there's like there's more which is okay. weird but there's the 42 everybody goes around and you each claim one territory and then based on until all 42 are claimed from there based on the number of people that you have playing everybody has a certain number of armies so then you go around one by one and you keep adding another soldier another army to each territory that you already own so you sort of build up wherever and so i basically had most of north america somebody had most of europe somebody had all of australia and a little bit into asia one of them had most of africa and one had most of south america so like everybody kind of had their own place right yeah you build everything up and then on your turn, you attack, you reinforce, whatever. Like, I had to move it into another room. I had to close because while we were playing, my cat jumped up on the table. I was like, no! And started knocking over the little pieces, like, tapping them. She luckily didn't get on the board, but I was like, you gotta get... Like, that's not... This is not gonna fly. And no! So currently, the board is set up in my guest room with the door closed. And yesterday, I saw her just, like, sniffing around the door. I was like, you can't go in there because the board's set up. But, like, we have everything. Like, we have a picture so we could always recreate it. Yeah. But now we just gotta find another time. But, like, it's working well. Like, we tried to do poker remotely which works most of it works fine but some of it's difficult this is a little bit easier this is funny again with all of your time now there's a whole seinfeld episode where like kramer and newman are playing risk and they have to keep it in jerry's apartment because everybody wants to cheat yeah i mean we're, we're not at the cheating point yet no i mean just, like yeah. you know what i mean but there's one yes. board they're not they don't have a yeah. webcam on it whatever but they're like the point is they keep it in jerry's apartment so they could lock it so that neither of them can get in and like move shit around while the other person it's not paying attention. Well, we were talking, and this this constitutes intellectual property and copyright. But we were saying that we want to create like our own version of like New Jersey-based risk, where there's you know instead of the 42 territories around the world, you have like just different places in New Jersey, and finding out ways to make it more difficult, and you know having maybe you don't know where other people are, you don't know how many armies are there or whatever. Ooh. And so I guess you kind of need like in that regard, sort of like a dungeon master. Like somebody needs to know everything. I think, and I don't know how that would exactly work. But we've been yeah. talking about coming up with our own version and sort of improving on this game honestly like kind of simple like risk is not a very complicated game which i think is kind of why it works there has to be a digital version of this too by the way oh i'm sure there is but there's something nice about the tactile like i mean it's also just causing more work for us i don't know yeah that's what i'm saying like i'm sure that there's like a google hangout like some kind of place that you could do this online that you all could just like do it as like a turn-based thing and you would all just like do your turn as you go and you could play indefinitely right like all day every day Cause it would just be like, damn it, Steve, just move your fucking thing. It's your turn. Like, I know yes. what I'm doing. And then, like, on Xbox and stuff, like, I've played Catan, I've played Carcassonne. Like, there's games you can play, but, like, then everybody would need the same console. Like, there's got to be an online version. Like, we were there's trying to There's a phone find... version for sure of Risk. There's a game on Steam called Prominence Poker, which is free, and you're able to have, like, private games, but it doesn't work on Mac. It only works on PC, and, like, that basically rules out, like, 
half or more of our leagues. Like there's sort of limitations, but you could we could probably find an online risk that's either cheap or free or whatever. For now, we're just using a physical board that is currently locked in my guest room. You got nothing but time, so what the fuck right. does it matter, right? Exactly. Like, Anything else of note, or should we move on? No, that was it. That's um, We've actually both got two weird things out, so that was good. Patreon Patreon the show, TooFast2Forever.com. Shout out to Cassie Wilson, Jake Freer, Ben Milliman, Nick Burris, Alex Ellen, and Justin Kleinman for supporting us over there at the $5 level or Thank above. You Thank you so very much. As we keep doing more episodes, it feels like the next lap is getting further out, but it's not. It's just time-wise, it's still the same. Exactly. But if you want to help us pick movies for next lap, if you want to vote on things, if you want us to just cover something you want us to cover, subscribe. Yep. You also get access to the Fast and Furious Minute document, which for this minute that we're going to talk about today, not a lot happens. And we have more notes in this than I feel like we've had <laughs> in maybe since the party. Like, there's so many notes about the scene where, like, almost nothing happens. So yeah, you get access there to that. Is. And you get access to the quiz, which is pretty cool. So patreon.com slash too fast too forever if you want to support us over there. Thank you so very much to everybody who does it already. Actually, let me look up before I crack open the mailbag, and we do have emails. Okay. I'm going to look on Apple Podcasts to see if anybody has given us a new review. Too fast, too forever. Nope, still 21, still the same things. So okay. thank you all to everybody who's rated us over there. Hey, I, I'm going to keep saying it. What else are you doing right now if you're not reviewing us on iTunes? <laughs> True. It, t- it takes 35 seconds on your phone, man. Joe, mailbag. We have three emails today. Three emails. Okay. Yes. First two from our new listener, Hector. Okay. What's up, Hector? High school. The FRS is slow AF stock. I've heard this. Okay. He says, I was just finishing the new Too Fast, Too Forever, or Too Fast, Too Furious episode, and I was listening to Dude, What's My Car? This is the one with Nate. Yes. And I was ripping my hair out about the difficulty Joe 2 had about the FRS. Then again, yes. all I did was watch car vids. More on that later. Car was a collab between Toyota and Subaru. Subaru yep. did most of the work. Mm-hmm. The complete car was sold as the Toyota GT86. Oh, this is the Bronx Beast, right? This is the one that I was describing? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. The Scion. So the complete car was sold as the Toyota GT86, the Subaru BRZ, and the Scion the FRS. FRS. So it sold yes. as three different cars. However, Scion didn't last or didn't live long enough, and Toyota rebadged them as 86s. They were so slow that many people would rip out the engine and replace them with engines like the 2JZ from the Supra. 2JZ engine, there you go. Oh, shit. Or turbo the existing engine with a chance with the engine to grenade itself. He says, we car people don't give a damn about it blowing up. No. And that's not even no. to mention before Johnny Tran and his crew shoot at it, right? <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Hector says other people, however, would stance them and put body kits like the Rocket Bunny wide body. Gotta go, stay fast. Do you know what stancing is? I don't understand 60% of this email, so no, I do not. You've probably seen it, you didn't know what it was. There's this trend a lot of the younger generation really likes, Mm -hmm. so I'm sure Hector is possibly into it. I'm not not sure what side he leans on, but it's it's a contentious point right now. Have you seen a car where the wheels are, like, angled? Maybe. Is it angled like the top is closer in or the top's farther out? Top's or is it closer not in. Like that? Okay. Like the, like, the top of the wheel would be pointed more t- in towards the car, and the bottom is pointed out okay. a little bit. Okay, I don't so think that I've seen that, s- but maybe I have. You have, and now that I've said it, pay attention. Like, when you're driving around, you'll see it. Like, you'll be behind a car, and the, and the wheels look like they're just, like, a little bit off kilt, right? Okay. So this is a thing that the younger generation really enjoys. They think aesthetically it's very pleasing, and the older generation gets very angry because it's terrible for your tires, and you don't, like, that's not how the car is meant to be driven. But older people never get angry about anything, Joe. (laughs) It's actually really funny, like, and, like, now, like, in the car groups and stuff, like, the millennials are kind of, like, an in-between, right? To where they're, like, 
I get it, you could do it, but, like, I wouldn't do it. And then the boomers are like, you fucking ruined this car. And, like, the younger kids are like, shut up, like, you don't know your... You know what I mean? So, it's just funny. That's... Anyways, that's your car tidbit of the day. Next time you see a car that has the wheels pointed, you know, like on a little bit of an angle where mm-hmm. the tire is not sitting completely straight, that's what he's talking about. Okay. And then his second email, and this is, I'm, I'm actually in the minute document because he, the second email is about the minute. He says, minute 39 name. He says, you should call the minute, which we called a 10 minute car. Yes. Um, he says, you should call the minute either this will decimate all or 2JZ engine, no shit. Ooh. I like the 10 minute car though. I do like the 10 minute car too. I think I think it fits better. What was our question? Our question for that one was what is the name of the auto body oh, shop sure. that Dom owns? I like 10 minute car slash 2JZ engine. Uh, how about a 10 minute car with a 2JZ engine? Ooh, okay, fair. And Hector, I hope that you can uh, appreciate the middle ground that we. Nobody's ever had us change anything retroactively like this. Oh, this is true. new ground. 2JZ and Beyonce engine. <laughs> Glad I got a chuckle out of you. When I heard that, I was just like, that's what I first thought of. I was like, I don't know what I know. this actually means. I don't know what it refers to. I'm sure that the letters and the number all refer to something, right? There was a great joke on Brooklyn Nine-Nine this past week, which I guess would have been last week's episode as this comes out. But they were talking about the difference in, like, just one-upping each other in terms of detective abilities. And they're talking about 9A versus 9C red sequins. They're like, the number is about the size, and the letter is about the shininess. Ooh. And so I'm sure the 2 and the J and the Z all have something to do with something, but... I don't know. I forget, I forget how they name these engines. There's like a 1JZ, there's a 2JZ, so like I don't know what the J... Japan something... Who Japan. knows? All right, and then Joe, we have one more email. So Hector, thank you for sending those two emails in. Truly appreciate it. And then Joe, we have one more email from a new listener. A new listener again. Damn. Okay. Well, new writer-inner. He says that he's been listening for a while, but this is from... So here's the thing. So he signs them the email, Michael, um, but the... Name we get it from is Coast Always, C-O-A-S-T-A-L-W-A-Y-S, Coast Always, Coast Always. from Michael. So Michael says, subject line, it's pronounced N-O-S, not Nas. Nas, but they're yelling Nas in the movie. Yeah, Nitrous So he sorry. explains here, he says, love the podcast, I've okay. been meaning to email for a while. I'm a huge car guy, and the first movie came out when I was in high school. My friends and I all love the cheesiness and incorrectness of the movie in regards to cars, car parts, and car terminology. Okay. Not sure if you guys know or not, but the nitrous system isn't actually pronounced NAS. It's an acronym for a company that sells nitrous, Nitrous Oxide System, NOS. Oh, I didn't know that. That's cool. It's pronounced by reading each letter, NOS, not by making a word out of it. Car guys that work on cars know that the movie got it incorrect, uh, just get a chuckle out of all the over-the-top nitrous scenes and how they pronounce it. If you read mm. Craig Lieberman's book, did you know he had a book? Yeah, I know he had a book. We talked about okay. it before. We said okay. we wanted to read it and do an episode on it. Oh, right. Yes, 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 yes. Yeah. Uh, who was a technical advisor for the first movie. He says how he told the production company it's not pronounced Nas, but they didn't listen. <laughs> yeah, also, they didn't care about a lot of insight on some of the things. other ridiculousness used in the first movie. He talks about that a lot. That the, like, he, like, Danger to Manifold. Remember, he has, like, the whole thing about Danger to Manifold. Like, yep. don't do that. Why would you ever do that? And, like they're just like fuck it nobody will notice and then it became a super famous movie that is like a goofy thing that people make fun of i feel like calling it nos like i can see aesthetically and for dialogue like why you would say nas as opposed to nos you know what i mean yeah i never thought about it i mean like i didn't know that one i like i knew that nas is the company but i didn't know that it stands for nitrous oxide systems i always thought that it was they were just using nas because nitrous oxide we abbreviate it as like no, right? So I thought that they were just saying like this is just NOS, like nitrous oxides, and that's what I thought it was. It was just like, like no plural, but yeah, okay, yeah. And I never thought about it. There you go. Uh, Michael says, 
A few podcasts ago, you talked about Jumping the Shark. For me, the movie series Jumped the Shark when Dodge became a main sponsor. Mm. Before then, I feel like there was a lot more variety in cars, and they played a bigger role. Also plays into my movie rankings. Okay, so here we go. Oh, okay. So he says, so it's not a full ranking, but he says, number one, The Fast and the Furious, the, the original. Yeah. Number two, Too Fast. Number three, Tokyo Drift. And the rest I don't have an opinion on, but I will still mm. watch them anytime it comes on TV. So this guy, Michael's clearly an early movie, car movie, not an action movie guy. That's fair. Yeah, some people will do that. It says, keep up the great work and entertaining everyone. I've attached a picture of my car, my car, for you to Ooh. guess. So we will talk about this on Furious 7. If we keep getting car pictures, we might have to have you guess them in these in bonus episodes. But I'm yeah. fine. I'm fine with it. I was actually thinking about that before we started recording. I was like, do we have like any games to play today? And I was like, no. And then I was like, you know what, maybe? Maybe on episodes where, maybe not. So I feel like when we talk about a movie like we are today, there's more to talk about. But if we're just doing the minute, maybe we do it in the minute episodes. We'll I'm say. fine with that. Yeah, that's cool. We can, we can talk of, about it. Um, and that's all the emails. If you have an email that you want to send in, family at cageclub.me. Well, welcome to the family officially, Thanks, Michael. And yeah. thank you again, Hector. Good to hear from you guys both. True. And, you know, like we've been saying, two episodes a week, plenty of time for you to have your email read on air. And we need we need those emails. So email them in family at cageclub.me. We'll read them. You guys will know we'll read them. So. All right, Joe. On the streets, I don't think, unless I missed something, that The Rock has announced running for president. But let's no, see. No, he hasn't. All right, so we're going to search The Rock president on Google News and see what comes up four days ago. Any of this, any of this, any of this. Nope, nothing at all to do with that. And then, yeah, nothing since the Joe Rogan wants The Rock to run for president story that we were talked about in the last episode. Unfortunately, we are not top of the rock yet. We are still just trying to rock the vote. We're still just trying to rock the vote. I saw an interesting Rock thing. Or the Rock said on like Twitter oh, yeah? a little, a little uh, note that we could do, you know, a little shout out to Nate here. That the Rock claimed on Twitter, or Instagram the other day that his uh, rivalry with Stone Cold was the greatest box office draw ever for WWE, and I might have to agree. Oh, yeah, he just said like that rivalry was like the greatest in the history of the WWE. You know, it brought them incredible monies and attention all the time. So, well, I subscribe to Dwayne three sixteen, not Austin three sixteen. Thank you very oh. much. See, I know like a couple things. I know a couple things about wrestling. Not a lot. No. A couple things. And I also, actually, I actually found another article that it just, like, popped into my, like, Google. I wanted to tell you that Vin Diesel said that 10 will be the last Fast and the Furious because he promised... Promised Paul? Promised Paul Walker 10 would be the last one, which is interesting. I don't know, man. Sure, whatever. (laughs) Yeah, you saw this article, too, I guess? I saw a headline. I didn't read it, but, like, okay, sure. Yeah, (laughs) I think that it was, like, somebody was just making content, one of these things, you know what I mean? So they're like, yeah, okay, cool. And yep. like they just use like a really old article and then like redid it. There's other things that I don't think it's, you know, for this podcast, but, you know, I get Google alerts every day for like Cage and Keanu and all the other podcasts that we do or whatever. And I saw something that was just like, it felt like new news. And I clicked on it. And I was like, well, back in February, I was like, what? Like, stop it. Like, I know that like the world is a weird place right now, but like, don't generate clickbait regenerate clickbait based on nonsense from six weeks ago we were finding a lot of articles like that about too fast and stuff like we would see an article we'd be like didn't we know this already and like it's like the other news picks it up and then it gets like regurgitated again a couple weeks later yeah yeah we're we're usually on the uh the forefront of fast and furious news either by just google alerts or just having our eyes peeled or people (laughs) sending it in yeah 
All right, Joe, the last thing to do before we do Bloodshot is the Fast and Furious Minute. Minute 44, I don't have a name for this minute. What do you What do you think naming-wise? What should we name this minute? Oh, what is what does he specifically say? I mean, we could say, I was thinking about calling it the proposal, which is, I think, that Ryan Reynolds, Sandra I was going to say something about, like, a date, like, a date, question mark. I like the proposal. That's a good one. Okay, cool. Let's eat some grub, man. Yeah. Want some of that chicken? What you got, Ram? Movie or something? You need a hand with anything else? No, I'm good. You can uh, go join the boys watching the movie. I see the cook doesn't clean where I come from. Yeah, I'd like to go there. You know, I think we should go out sometime. No, I don't, I don't date my brother's friends. Well, that sucks. I guess we'll have to kick his ass then. Oh, I'd love to see that one. No, yeah. I would, I would pay to see that one, actually. So in this minute, the barbecue ends, and then later that evening, Brian and me are inside doing the dishes at 1327 while the rest of the family is watching a movie. Yep. Brian asks Mia out, she says no, and then Vince enters the room to microwave popcorn, which next minute we're going to actually get the real proposal, or the actual acceptance. But right now, Vince walks in a room, and I was just like, man, he is such an asshole, and I think it's so funny. <laughs> like, he just, like, comes in and just, like, looks at Brian doing the dishes, just, like, can't help but laugh. Like, he's such a jerk, and I just, like, the way that Maxwell's plays, like, he, I, just, I love it. Yep. The big thing that I found online, I think we talked about this forever ago. I don't know if it's something that we read on IMDb. I, th- I also feel like Wes probably sent it in a while ago. But according to IMDb, the movie that they are watching while they're in the living room is Dragon, the Bruce Lee story, which is another movie that was directed by Rob Cohen. Which makes a lot of sense. Yes, because yes. he probably either had the rights to use and include it or could easily get them or whatever, right? Just a quick call. Yeah, because it's Plus, his movie. We might see it more in another minute. I don't know, but like you barely see any of it. Like It's like a couple no, of No, it's like... It's just on the TV. Like, it's just yep. in passing. Like, they needed something to put on the TV, and he's like, oh, yeah, like, just use my other movie. Like, pick one of my other movies and just put that on. Like, I'll just call the studio and tell them I'm using it. it like, who's going to get angry about that, right? Right. And I also think that in a franchise so defined by time and quite literally having nothing but it, we find I, this might be the only time, the, the only scene, at least the only scene so far, where we have a concrete timestamp. It is 9.48 p.m., if the clock in the kitchen is correct. I mean, I would assume the clock in the kitchen is correct. It matches the outside, the time of day outside. I don't think they would, like, stage the clock in the kitchen. But who right. knows? And I also made note because, I don't know if we talked about it on here. I think we probably talked about it on Zack Attack years ago. But you and Rachel don't set your clocks. We Every do. Every six months they're going to be wrong. Oh, you do now? We do. We do. Oh, um, you, when we were in the changed. apartment, I know. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. When we were, when we were in our apartment... From my couch, I can see the clock on the microwave now because we have a microwave on top of the stove that sits. It's like the vent and the microwave. So now we actually see the clock, and it's pretty much the only clock we have in the house. Before, we had the clock on the microwave, and we would just never set it because none of us used that. You couldn't see it from the living room. Like It was just like in passing, the way the apartment was set up. It was just in between, right? Joey came over once and was like, oh, it's like daylight savings time, like... You could set your clock back, and I was like, "Nah, it'll it'll come around." Yeah, just like six, it'll be wrong for six months, but we know <laughs> it's wrong for six months, so we just 
And I was like, feels like a lot more work, like a lot more mental math. But all right. So I was proud. I was like happy for you. Because you came back and it happened to be clock. like the week later or something like that, right? And you were like, or you asked me about it when it was like the thing. And we like didn't lose power that like that six months, nothing. Yeah, it was a thing where like coincidentally, I just kept visiting at a very specific time where it was always like a topic of discussion. And I was like, oh, right. Okay, fine. So then in this minute where like the, I, I noticed the clock and then I look at the microwave to see if it's like, if it aligns, they don't have a, they don't have a time on the microwave here's another movie tip that i have seen you know how to like, on the top of a like cheap clocks basically bedroom alarm clock that i used to use for a while there's four settings it was like clock alarm one alarm two and set okay and so you go to set and you can adjust the clock right mm-hmm. and when you're in that mode i'm sure it has a name that's not colon but the the, the symbol between the hours and the minutes is like mm. flashing because it's like hey you're in set mode right now so yes. if you ever notice in a tv show or a movie if the thing is flashing it's like done that way so that you don't have like weird incontinuity. Yeah, because like when you're editing it, it's not like it's a different minute every. Yeah, it'll be like you know twelve fifty three and then like twelve fifty one. Right, because even if you're shooting like a simple scene, you're it's shooting take a, it a while. bunch of times, right? Yeah, and so different angles or whatever, and so they'll have just the set, it to set, set for the entire time. Yeah, so if you ever see things that are flashing, and I've ah. noticed that because like back in back in the day before like internet goofs were like a real thing, like back in yeah. say nineties TV, it would happen all the time. Like it drove my like. OCD numbers brain crazy where I'm just like did nobody notice this or did nobody care um, so I noticed that like when I was setting my alarm clock and the thing was flashing I was like oh now I that's get that's why yes. but in the, so I was trying to compare the clock on the wall to the microwave and they didn't even set the microwave which is another way uh, just another trick just like the, the fewer clocks that we have there's fewer things Less that could possibly be wrong I'm a huge proponent of I hate daylight savings time I just wish that we would change the world to one time and just go by UTC, but people, like, would really have a hard time understanding that. When I'm like, okay, like, let's just all exist on one time. The time is universal. Maybe I work from 3 a.m. until 11 a.m. or something. But what the fuck does it matter? Like, those are just numbers. Like, I don't have to wake up at, like, this time to this time. But then we would all just be like, what time are we going to meet? And it would be, like, 12 or, like, 2100 we'd all know exactly what time we were talking about no matter where you were in the world there'd be this no weird scheduling of like when stuff comes on when you're going to call someone like in a global market now i think that we should all be on one time Mm, i feel like that simplifies one thing and makes like five other things more complicated what things can become more complicated i just feel like just the fundamental changing of the way that everyone does and defines everything you just have to like just tell your brain that like these are just numbers so if everybody's like, oh, I have to eat lunch at noon, it's like, okay, well, now you just eat lunch at a different number, but it could still be noon where you are. You know what I mean? Like, when does sunrise start and when does sunset start? When you were saying get rid of daylight savings, I you're, you're saying get rid of time zones. I hate both. I would say get rid of daylight savings. I wouldn't say get rid of that's time zones. That's step one. On the scale of, like, things I would really want, like, that's, like, the bare minimum. And then, like, on the far end of that scale is, like, just also just get rid of all time zones and just exist on one time. Or just get rid of the concept of time altogether and just be like, hey, just do what you want when you want. Flat circle. I yeah. mean, that, that that wouldn't work. I, like, this way, it gives us a time. Everybody's watch is set. You would just, like, look at the TV. You'd be like, okay, this is what time it is. It would tell you exactly what time it is. We'd all be on the same time. It would make it so much easier. People couldn't be like, oh, I thought you meant four on the West Coast or whatever. You're like, no, there's one time. Here's the one the one perk, the one reason I'm in your, in your favor here is because we would finally goddamn know whether Sean's mom or Sean's dad was wrong. That's true. Because there's there no would. excuse. There'd be no excuse. 
It would have just been like your mom you said, said you were going to be here on the 8th. Yeah. They couldn't read calendars then. That would be a very different experience. That's a real hot take, though. Okay. In this minute, I saw something interesting. Yeah. When you pan in and they show Brian and Mia standing there, Mia washing the dishes, Brian's in the kitchen, there's a bowl, like a fruit bowl. Uh Uh-huh. On the stove. It's weird. They have a lot of shit on the stove. So, like, apparently, maybe they're just not using the stove. They were using the grill today, so maybe they just grill every day. But in this fruit bowl, it looks like there is some garlic. Which makes sense. We have garlic in our, like, fruitish fruit bowl over here. And then there's just, like, a, a large brown thing. And I'm really thinking it's a coconut. It looks hairy. I think I'm pretty sure it's, co- it's a coconut. Right? So they just have a coconut and garlic. Yeah. What What the fuck is that about? Who went to the store? Like, they're like, okay, like, put some stuff in this fruit bowl. And they're like, well, you can only find a coconut and garlic. And <laughs> nobody will notice. Well, I do wonder if, like, if the house was a house that they rented. Like, maybe that's just what was there. Yeah. Yeah, you're right. Because like that house is like it's it's a it's a it's a location, right? Like that's on a residential street. Like we know where it is, right? Like people have yeah. taken pictures outside it. So whether the interiors are on a lot or the interiors are there, I don't know. But like if Somebody it was, was on location, maybe yeah. they, all they had in the kitchen was a coconut and garlic. It's like, all right, well we can either like get rid of the bowl or just like I don't know, throw this shit in it. Yeah, it might have worked. There's also all sorts of notes that we took about all different things on the countertop, in the cabinets, in the spice rack, above the stove, on the stove top, in the mm-hmm. microwave, like everywhere. One other thing that I do want to point out, and this is a little film class 101 for everybody. Ooh. When we are looking from outside in, and Mia and Brian are both framed by the windows, and we see yes. the string of lights, and there's two lights that are burnt out, mm-hmm. and Jordana Brewster says the line in a very like kind of New Jersey or Philadelphia, like East Coast weird uh you guys can join the boys watching the movie but like the way she says it it doesn't feel like a california like it feels like a very different accent like i don't know where jordana is actually from but i was like this feels weird she is from she was born in panama wow okay okay but where'd she grow up at i'm gonna find out let's see here that's that's the important part of this her mother is a former swimsuit model from brazil who was in the 78 1978 cover of sports illustrated wow Damn, I didn't know that. That makes sense, though. Her paternal grandfather, oh, this actually has relationship to you. Paternal grandfather Kingman Brewster Jr. was an educator and president of Yale University from 1963 to 1977. Nice. She left Brazil at the age of 10, settling in Manhattan, does that make sense, where she studied the Convent of the Sacred Heart and graduated from the Professional Children's School. She graduated from Yale with a BA in English in 2003. I didn't know she went to Yale. That's really cool, actually. So Jordana Brewster was around here. She's a legacy, yeah. Well, her grandfather was a legacy. Yeah, she lives in Los Angeles now with her husband, producer Andrew Form, who she met on the Texas Chainsaw Massacre at the beginning. And they have two kids. Okay. That's cool. So there's probably, there's there's a chance that, like, I was drinking in bars that Jordana Brewster used to hang out in before she was famous. Yeah. Uh, It looks like, based on Wiki, just as I'm still thinking about that, this is like her third movie. She was in 104 episodes of As the World Turns before... (laughs) Nice. I guess she got serious about movies in 2001, where she was in The Invisible Circus and this movie. So, okay, so they're out, we're outside, we're looking in, There's they're each separated by the window, right? And she says the weird line in the East Coast accent. Visual framing, the actual, and I, I looked up the word, the window casing, like the wood between the window is a barrier separating them. And like, it's a yes. way visually to instruct the audience that like there's something, like a metaphorical barrier or like a physical, literal barrier that represents a metaphorical barrier between the two characters. And so from outside, Ah. that's when he's like, hey, I think we should go out sometime. It cuts to her, and she's like, I don't think so. And then, and whether this is intentional or whether this is, it plays, 
then later when Vince comes in and he laughs at Brian and then she says, hey, Vince, what was the name of that restaurant? I'm just guessing. We haven't gotten here in the minute, but I'm just guessing this yeah. is probably what happens. She's like, what's the name of that restaurant? And he tells her and she's like, oh, Brian, you should take me there. But like we're inside and there's no longer that barrier because they're sort of on the same side now. Makes sense. And so visually it's like here they're sort of separated. Like She's like, I don't think I can. Yeah. But like Dom is kind of the window. There's a physical presence between yes. them. Yes separating them yes yeah. and so just the way the framing and they're both also nicely framed within the window it's a nice shot um, it's a and actually shot. the physical window separator is sort of representing that they they cannot be close but then vince is basically just like hey look at this guy washing the dishes wash my car next i'm yeah, just assuming princess, who knows you who knows dress. who's possibly going to say next minute uh yeah. <laughs> but and then that's what pushes her over the edge and she's like actually you can take me out or whatever so yeah. Just a little film 101. That's cool. I'm sure that Rob Cohen knows that, and I'm sure that that was intentional, now that you say yeah. it. Anything else that you want to point out in this minute? Again, just a lot of it is just... Oh, no, the the only other thing found. that I noticed is that when, when Vince went to drink his beer at the beginning of the scene in the barbecue, he doesn't put his mouth on it again. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Does Vince just not put his mouth on beers? Like, he just, like, is a germaphobe or something weird? I mean, he's social distancing. No, 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 the, no, the, no, Brian did it last time. Part. When it was Vince's, remember? Oh, right. Hmm. Maybe that's just Brian making fun of Vince. Or maybe it's Vince making fun of Brian with not putting it on this time. Because they, they did have a history of like drinking beers together before Brian did it with didn't put his mouth on it. So I think it's Vince making like a little shot at Brian like, hey, fucker, look, I'm not going to drink. I'm not going to put my mouth on this either in case it was yours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then Brian takes a sip and puts his mouth on the beer. And I was like, oh, this is just weird. And I was like noticing it only because the other minute that we did a couple like 15 minutes ago or whatever. Oh, there's actually just one other thing that I want to make note what? of that I did not... As you're watching the movie like a normal person, it's not as jarring. But here, where we're watching it 8, 10, 12 times, yeah. Vince sits down, there's like the, hey, passing the chicken, whatever. Then we cut to Letty, and there's like a full second, or maybe more, yes. where it's just like her, and then she just like, she says, uh, let's get some grub man, or let's eat some grub man. And it just feels like there's a lot of time where that could have just like, even like cut out half a second. <laughs> like we cut to her saying the line, as opposed to just like, Cut to her, full beat, hey, let's eat some Grub Man. It just feels like a lot of time, when we're breaking it down by minute, just there's a lot of downtime there. It stops there, and because it's so long, I notice that she has fuzz in her hair. That, oh, like, nobody, very observant. Yeah, that nobody picked out, like, because her hair is so jet black, she has, like, one piece of, like, white fuzz that was just, like, in her hair. I wouldn't have noticed it if this would have been, like, a quick <laughs> shot, but like you said, it's, like, just holds on her for, like, three seconds. I was like, Letty, girl, like, come on. <laughs> Even Mia, you're just like, hey, hey, you got, you got a little something, right? So Yeah, yeah. Hey, let me get this out. All right, so I got two trivia question possibilities here. One okay. is, they're both very nitpicky, and they're both basically guesses, but I don't know what the better question would be. So, okay. what, what movie is the family watching after the first I like that one. Barbecue? That's what I thought. Or, what time of night do Brian and Mia do the dishes? <laughs> After the first family barbecue. I like what movie is the family watching, because I think that one would be more frustrating to try to... Like, the time one, you'd be like, oh, wow, I would have never gotten that. The movie one would just irritate you. So I like I like the movie one, and I think that we should do, like, maybe, like, some Bruce Lee movies, like Enter the Dragon, because that okay. kind of sounds the same, and it's a Bruce Lee movie, right? We do the Skulls. Oh, that's a good one, too. Which would be a really weird-ass movie that, like, they're watching a movie with Paul Walker in it while Paul Walker's in the... Kitchen. Yeah. Maybe, like... <sighs> Bullet. Okay. Oh, man, that's really hard. That's a very difficult question. It's not meant to be easy. It's meant to no, make you very, not. very angry. Man, I can't wait to give this to my friends. I'm gonna... Uh... Well, we're closing in on um, 50 questions, so... So right now we have 44 minutes. We have 45 questions. 
we're getting close to 50 where I feel like it's kind of like a kind of midterms. Actually, when we get to minute 53, uh, that'll be halfway through the movie, I think. Even though we might yeah. not do a full... Like, we still got to figure out how we're going to do the credits, right? Because yeah, because we're not going to do credits by minute. But there's important things. Like, for instance, when we talked about Fast and Furious last time, when I was... Like, I don't know that I've ever really fully watched the credits. And there was a song by Same. Rai Rai, Bang. I was like, oh, I never knew this was in the movie. In the credits were four. I was like, oh, okay. There you go. Yeah. Anything else to add about the Fast and Furious minute, minute 44, the proposal, before we take a break and talk about Bloodshot? No, we did it good for as little as there was in that minute. I think. Cool. Well, let's take a break, and we'll be right back. Episode number 79, Bloodshot. This episode is brought to you by Jeep. Throughout their storied history, Jeep brand vehicle owners have learned that go anywhere, do anything is a way of life, not just a slogan. The Jeep badge stands for more than a brand. In truth, it's a badge of honor. Thank you, Jeep. So here's Bloodshot, the new Vin Diesel movie, the movie that we were going to do and that we were not going to do, and now we're doing again. So it all, that's such, such a journey, such an emotional roller coaster for this movie now that we are all home. They put this movie out on home video. Before we get into it, Joe, what did you think of this movie? Did you like this movie or did you not like this movie? Um, <laughs> we, have, we have not talked about it yet, so I honestly have no idea where this is going to go. <laughs> we haven't talked about it yet. I like this movie as a spinoff slash reset of a Fast and the Furious movie. What does that mean? It, it seems like Vin Diesel just like took a bunch of pieces of Hobbs and Shaw and was like, I can do that too. And then just made okay. his own movie uh-huh. about it. Yeah. Right? Do you see that? Uh-huh. In that sense, I think it was, I had a fun time watching it from that perspective. I think the movie is, is not good. Yes. It's enjoyable for us. For me, I wouldn't have been like, hey, did you guys see Bloodshot? That was great. Like, of the movies to spend $20 on right now, unfortunately, Bloodshot is I not don't... near the top of the list. <laughs> I don't rec- I will <laughs> say, though. I will say that where this movie ends up, and we're going to spoil this, so if you don't want spoilers, skip ahead or whatever, just come back later. Where this movie winds up, I think a Bloodshot 2 would be a lot of fun. I don't know that we're going to get a Bloodshot 2. I think so, too. Basically, my three favorite parts of this movie are Vin Diesel, our Isaac Gonzalez, who plays Madame M in Hobbs and Shaw, but is also just the main woman here, and Lamorne Morris, who is the black coder, who is one of the lost mates in New Girl, is great in this movie. And basically, the movie ends with the three of them, with Vin and Isa riding off into the sunset. Lamorne Morris is basically the guy in the chair, and they're going to go take on the world, right? Yes. They really set this up for a sec. They, they, They really set it up for a sequel, and I was like, and... You're saying this now, and I was thinking it, and I was like, man, I would love to see a sequel of this movie, and I do not think it's going to happen. I don't know how well this did financially. I think also just the really bad, unfortunate, unlucky timing of hitting with coronavirus. Like, I think that had this movie been in theaters, it would have obviously made more money. I don't, you know, not it's, much it's more. To say. I will say that there was a post credit scene that was written and never shot. But let me tell you a little bit oh. of the backstory. Because I Googled while the movie, like as the movie was dropping down, I'm like, is there a post credit scene so I can fast forward or whatever? There wasn't one, but they, sh- they they wrote one. And Vin 
loved it. So, okay, here's the thing. The after credit scene that we talked about had Vin, that, that Vin fell in love with was after the movie, some undisclosed time later, uh, Bloodshot would be seen, quote, in full regalia. So complete with his signature comic look and the weaponry of his Desert Eagle handguns and katana swords on his back. He's in an urban environment. He opens a door. Suddenly behind the store, it's a vast, snowy landscape. Trees, forests. You see the snowflakes coming out the door that intercept our urban environment. He's super confused. From there, in that snow-frosted forest, Bloodshot comes face-to-face with a massive, quote, unnaturally large dire wolf voiced by Ken Watanabe. (laughs) The dire wolf doesn't move its mouth, but you hear telepathically it speaks. It's Harada, who I think is a character in the, in the comics that I don't know. Because okay. I don't know anything about Bloodshot before this movie. Same. He's talking about the war that's coming, and Bloodshot has to make a choice. The sequence ends with a close-up of Bloodshot's red eyes as he says, quote, I've made my choice. Vin Diesel was apparently so in love with this scene, he even rehearsed as the wolf. Vin loved this so much that at 4 o'clock on a Saturday, he performed this scene in his penthouse, including an imitation of a wolf. He was that in love with it. Well, that's because that's a fucking Dungeons & Dragons scene. Yeah, yeah. He, just, he got to play Dungeons & Dragons at the end of the movie for five seconds. I can imagine he would love that. Basically, this movie is set up of, like, Bloodshot, and there's a murky backstory, and that's the whole thing, whatever, and we'll get to that, but, like, it's basically set up so that he conquers the people, like, he's created in this movie, or maybe he's not created in this movie. I think that we're led to believe he's created in this movie, but I think that the creation is all fictional. Like, I think he was created basically before the movie began, but he has conquered the company that created him, and now he is riding off into the sunset to go kick some more ass, I guess. Yeah. Because the whole point is that, like, they took a dead soldier to do an experimental superpowering, yep. but they were using him to, like... Take out rivals use... from within the company. That's mm-hmm. eventually what happens, is, like, the one guy kind of, like, takes over and just uses him to just, like, murder off everybody else that disagreed with him that was in the same company. And so we see the movie begin with Vin Diesel as a military man overseas, and then he comes back and meets up with his wife, Tallulah Riley, from Westworld, yes. the, form, the twice former, former Mrs. Elon Musk. Yes. They both get captured or kidnapped, and then he gets... He sees his wife get killed, and then he himself gets killed, and then he wakes up, revived, and he is bloodshot. But the way that we eventually find out is that all of that was false memories implanted into his brain. So whether or not that actually happened, like the beginning part of him overseas and him coming home, might have happened, might not have happened, I don't know. But effectively, the the beginning of this movie is just computer hackers just literally procedurally generating ideas or dreams or thoughts or memories. Because they're inceptioning him into hating the person that that kills his wife so that he can go avenge her. They're planting it so they're not like, go kill this guy. He's seeking his own revenge, but based on a false memory. Right. And so basically, he, he goes and kills someone. They shut him down. They bring him back. And they reload a memory with a different face there. So it's the same thing. He sees his wife get killed. Which is kind of lazy, by killed. the way. Do you feel like this is lazy? I was like, you guys couldn't have come up with different stories for him. You just use the same one over and over again. Just, like, map a new face onto the guy. Well, I think like, that's... Like, they they kind of make a joke about that in the movie. That, like, the hacker in Guy Pierce's lab... And also, by the way, if you're going to... If you're going to cast Guy Pierce as a CEO scientist, as like this like good guy, like he is so very clearly always the bad guy. Like I was yeah. like, you, like from the beginning, they have you know Toby Kebbell or whatever, however you pronounce his name. He's like dancing to the Talking Heads, like Psycho 
killer, and I was like, this feels on the nose. But I kind of gave the movie credit in retrospect because that's not real, right? That was a generated thing. So I was like, yes, this feels so corny and so, like, movie villain cliche, but I think that's actually kind of a joke in the movie, but that's that not was, actually real, right? That was the point that I messaged you and said oh that was the part you loved i'm not very far into the movie but even the first time i saw that i was like that is super enjoyable i thought you were saying because even before that when they're in vin's apartment and they're calling him vin i was calling him dom the entire time too they're trying to capture him i thought like the thing that brought me the joy first in the movie is that a guy punches him in the arm he doesn't flinch and the guy's like ow like he just hurts himself <laughs> punching vin and i was like that's cool like that's funny no I, I i did like that but i really really enjoyed the like dancing dis- like that there was a musical number in the beginning of this and like even before i knew that it was just like you know a generated dream and they're like making this stuff up i was like oh that is hilarious and i really like that part like that was to me i was like this feels lazy like because i feel like that's the kind of thing that you see a lot maybe not that exact thing but you see like the villains that are trying to be cool and they're trying to have their thing or whatever that's why i liked it because it was corny eventually like when you find out later so but i think going back to your point earlier about like it's lazy that they keep doing the same thing i think they bring that up like i feel like this is all guy pierce's thing because the hacker that he has on his staff or the coder or whatever the engineer is like i have ideas like we can do new things he's like no like we're gonna keep doing the same thing yeah I also do think that this movie has a fundamental misunderstanding of what open source coding is. He's like, you used open source coding in this thing. I was like, that's not a bad thing. Like, what are you talking? I mean, unless you're like literally on GitHub and like you're forking it and then you're like, oh, yes, here is the mind control device that I'm building. Like, you don't do that. But like, yeah, of course, use open source. Like, why would you not? Like, Everybody uses open source for like everything because there's there's I'm sure there's some menial, stupid task that you need this program yeah. to run that you're like. I'm not going to write a whole code for that. Somebody already did it. And that's the whole point of the coding community. It's like, yeah, I did this thing so you don't have to, so we can all collectively push the greater good forward. But Guy Pierce is like, you did what? It's like, well, Guy, you're a CEO of this like nanotech company. You should know. Yeah, that you're going to have to use some open source coding, you dummy. Isaac Gonzalez, who plays Madam M, is just one of these other people. So Bloodshot has been reborn that in his blood, there are all these, there's like billions and trillions of nanobots that they call nanites. And they are just electronic things that they can help him heal really quickly. There's some very cool things where, like, his face, like, literally gets blown off and then it rebuilds instantly. He's able Mm -hmm. to cut himself and just reheal. Like, he's kind of like Wolverine, but instead of powered by adamantium, he's powered by nanites, right? Yes. Then Isaac Gonzalez is can breathe underwater. Like, she's just got, like, a thing, like, she's (laughs) not susceptible to, like, inhalants. But I was also like, but what if they come in through the chest? Like it's like right, it's like direct access to the lungs. Like it feels like she would be susceptible. I don't know. She's just like a mermaid, essentially. That's it. Yeah, that's her. That's her only superpower. Yeah, I thought she was practicing for synchronized swimming. I was hoping that there would have been like other mermaid women behind her. Like we could have had Tallulah Riley come back as a mermaid as well, and just they'd have both been mermaiding together because I like that part of the movie as well. Well, Tallulah Riley being fourth build on, like, IMDb and Letterboxd, I was like, oh, she's got to be in this movie a lot. And spoiler, she's not. Like, she dies five minutes in, she's in a couple more flashbacks, and at the end, he goes back to her house in real life, and we see that she's moved on. But she's probably in, like, less than ten minutes of the movie. Like, I was just like, oh, I expected, like, a lot more Tallulah Riley than we actually... Like, not that I was, like, watching this for her, but I was like, I thought we were going to get a lot more of her, and nope. 
Nope. There's also that scene that I mentioned, like where she's underwater Tai Chi or whatever, and it feels like this is like like Vin shouldn't be watching this, right? Like it's some kind of like no, he's like yeah. he's like peeping on her, like he's just like in his he's working out, and then he's like sits next to this like water thing, and then like the camera zooms out, like it's just like this open area lab that like she very clearly saw him, but like it feels like she's doing this very personal thing that he shouldn't be watching. Yeah, it's like it's like their gym, but there's the pool in the middle of the gym, a massive pool, massive, yeah, yeah. So the only bit of trivia on IMDb about this movie that was relevant or interesting was that David Leach and Chad Stahelski, who were the guys who directed the first John Wick movie, were supposed okay. to direct this. They were attached to direct this, and then they dropped out for one reason or another. Instead, we got Dave Wilson, who is a guy that I don't know that I know his name. So Dave Wilson has also directed. He's credited like right at the end of the movie. Like he like his name comes up first because I remember seeing his name. I think this is the only movie he's ever directed. Oh, he's a visual effects guy. Okay, so he's done VFX for, like, 16 different things. Looks like mostly video games. And then he directed a... Oh, he directed one of the episodes of Love, Death, and Robots, which was that Netflix series, like, that sci-fi... Oh, yeah, I watched some of that. ...thing. And he did one of that and he did Bloodshot. So he's basically a VFX guy, which feels like this is a pretty big movie for him to just be like, oh, yeah, we're, we're tapping Stepping it into you, it. Right? Yeah. Like, he did Halo Wars and Mass Effect games and Star Wars games and Bioshock Infinite. He was a creative supervisor for a VFX company on Avengers Age of Ultron, and then he's just like, cool, bloodshot directing. Yeah, I would take it. I mean, if somebody let you, like, direct a Vin Diesel movie, sure, I would do it immediately. At this point, I feel like we're pretty qualified. I think so. I mean, we know at least one... And actually, this segues exactly into what I want to talk about, that I think based on what you had said to me when you first started watching this movie, you were like, it's so weird to see him playing a character that's not Dominic Toretto. I feel like... But... (laughs) <laughs> when we did well so here's the thing i think when we were doing the brian o'connor lap last lap right like when we were watching other yes. paul walker movies it feels like paul walker's always playing to some extent brian, brian o'connor yes part of it might be that he's not the most dynamically gifted actor in terms of range but yeah, i also think fair. that like, just what you cast him as and it's not a bad thing what you cast him as is like this upstart kind of almost on the cusp of good and bad whatever right yes yeah i feel like this character while there are sure there are shades or elements of Dominic Toretto, I feel like it's kind of like really wildly different, at least comparing, say, Brick Mansions to Fast and Furious, and then comparing Bloodshot to Fast and Furious. I feel like this is a wildly different ballgame, or do you disagree? I completely disagree. You think it's the same character? There's a lot of Dominant, and then a lot of Dom just made himself more of The Rock and more of Idris Elba, because he wasn't in Hobbs and Shaw. Well, there's definitely a lot of Brixton and a lot of E.T. on here, and I don't know how much of that is Vin Diesel's actual doing or whatever, but it does feel very coincidental that a year after Hobbs and Shaw comes out, he's he plays Brixton. Brixton. Yeah. A Brixton who's combined, literally combined with The Rock. Like, he's like a super soldier marine, is getting revenge, and then also is Brixton. As I was watching it, I was like, oh, this is just Hobbs and Shaw 1.5. Like the reboot of Hobbs and Shaw in a very straight. He doesn't have it. He doesn't have a sidekick. His sidekick's Madam M. But then, but her being in it also like really threw me for a loop too. Because like the once you put her in it, then it's like, come on, man. It, it really seems like Vin was just like upset at Hobbs and Shaw and was well, just we like, we know that. I mean, we knew that was the case. <laughs> it does feel like we, you know, we were talking for a while, like especially on the episode with Nate. We're like, what if we have a Black Adam Bloodshot crossover? And then we're like, oh, they're not the same comics world or whatever. But yeah. it feels like a Bloodshot Hobbs and Shaw crossover makes sense too. But then like you have Vin Diesel playing two different actors in that world. It's like, (laughs) oh, this can't happen. This brings me to my point, which is something that I really wanted to talk to you about. Now that you said that, we've talked about this before, and and we have it now in nine. Jacob, 
is yeah. essentially evil Dom, John Cena, right? Yeah. Dom in this is playing evil Dom. Yeah, because he's cause playing he Idris Elba. Also, to your point about him playing military man, like that's not just The Rock. That's also John Cena, right? Like just like military, like sir, yes, sir, like Bumblebee, John Cena, or literally every go. other movie, John Cena. <laughs> now, do you think Dominic Toretto could beat up Bloodshot? I think it depends on who's like who has home field advantage. Like if we're in the Fast and Furious, like that world, absolutely. If we're in Bloodshot world, no. But I think that in the world of the Fast and Furious, like if we're playing by I'm talking Fast rules. and Furious at the time now, at the same time. So like Fast and Furious eight or nine level Dom. That's what I'm trying to say is that like in if we're in the world where Fast and Furious exists, I don't think that anyone can really get the upper hand on Dominic Toretto, even a literal superhero. Okay. Which I think is also to an extent like why he can't not that it's the same move not that he's in this movie, but like he can't battle Brixton because he would beat Brixton because he can't be seen losing. Like not that because we we talked about the whole thing like the Rock and Jason Statham can't be seen losing either, but they do get their asses kicked by Brixton for a while, right? Like they're yes. they're not yeah. able to keep up. I feel like if it was Dom against Brixton, he, there's it no wouldn't chance. Be that. Yeah, it would just be like two punches and he's done. Mm-hmm. The thing is, like, I would like to imagine this like either a Madden simulation where you can get like the historical teams or like a Marvel versus Capcom type thing going on here, or like a Rocky Balboa situation where it's Rocky against Mason the Line Dixon where they're simulating on Sports Center because that's a thing that happens apparently. Yes, in a situation like this, if we put them in a neutral territory and it was Dom versus Bloodshot. I don't think so. I think that in any context that's not just purely in fast in the Fastiverse, Dom does not have a chance. Really? Bloodshot is like he literally cannot be killed. No, he can if he runs out of juice before the end of the movie. Well, he's oh, he's getting he's overclocked at the end, and he still survives. So yeah, basically, think... here's a here's a better question. It's what? him against Chev Chelios as Jason Statham and Crank, where he's also looking for juice too. Mm. Okay, hold on. We got, <laughs> we got a, we got a tag team we got a tag team death match. We've got Dom and Bloodshot against oh, Chev Chelios and win. Shaw. Instant win. No matter what it is, it's it, Dom. Dom and Bloodshot is instant win over anybody. It has to, over anybody. Even over, over Iron like, Man, Hobbs and Black Adam. Iron Man. He would beat Iron Man. They would beat Iron Man. Dom and Bloodshot could take all the Avengers. So, like, they're Thanos and Ultron combined. Essentially. Very interesting. Yeah, without Captain... Like, and they don't have Captain Marvel. Yeah. I'm not saying, like, you know, Infinity Wars, all 7,000 of them. I'm just saying, like... Like, the Ultron, like, the, the end of Ultron, there's, like, the five or the six or the eight of them with, with Scarlet Witch and with with uh, Quicksilver. Okay. Yeah. So, wait, who, so you think the most powerful in the world is just Dom. Like, Dom's power ranking number one. He, he never loses. He never even gets close to losing. And he always finds a way. And then he has, like, God's Eye. Oh, I also said, like, he is God's Eye. He, yeah. Yeah, that's the other thing about Bloodshot in this. That he becomes God. He's using God's Eye, but it's just in his brain now. They're like, what's he doing? And they're like, oh, he read where the every all 9,000 cars in the city are. And they one by one, them. by the yeah, way. He's, one by one. Because he's a computer, but also a human. Uh-huh. So he and did them he figured individually. Out where Toby Kebbell is, or Toby Nebel. Yeah, like, I was just like, oh, he's, he's God's eye. Yeah, okay. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, that's why this movie was so much fun to me. In the sense that it's just super, super Dom. <laughs> just like the ultimate, this is his final form. I will say that the way that we watch these movies by basically looking for Fast and Action's makes all of them more enjoyable. Like, if we're just watching this movie or watching, like, The Skulls or watching whatever just to watch the movie, it's not as good. But if you're like, no. oh, that's fate, that's Hobbs and Shaw, that's this, that's that. Like, it, it, there is, there are connections there. Like, when you're able to tap into the, like, if you're, if you're in the Matrix, like, you're reading the code, you're like, oh. This movie does have Matrix in it, too, right? He is 
it's partly the Matrix as well. Because he's like being fed the dreams and then comes out of it. Oh yeah, when he comes to and eyes is right there, I was like, that's literally Neo waking up and showing just like, are you okay? <laughs> yep, uh-huh. exactly. Every time. That's why I was like, uh, this movie's not very good, but it's enjoyable if you watch it with a very loose take on it. And I wonder why, like, I, I wonder why it's not that good, because I feel like the character is cool. I think Vin is acting here, like, you know, we had Liz on the Fast and Furious episode saying that Paul Walker and Vin Diesel are not the best actors. I feel like, and I think this is something that Wes said in the email or maybe just talking to us, was that Vin is emoting in this movie. Like, when Tallulah Riley gets shot, like, he's he emotes, more yeah. emotional than he basically is in any Fast and Furious movie, maybe since, like, the You Embarrass Me line, right? Like, because he, like, his whole No, dom- from, like, four. Like, when he, like, has to deal with Letty. Okay. Because, like, his whole demeanor, like, the Dom demeanor is that he's even keel, he's level, like, nothing phases him, right? And, like, it's yeah, a choice, stoic. but it's also kind of boring at times to watch, because he's, there's not, like, it's intentional, intentionally lacking range. Here, yeah. he's, like, shouting, he's emotional, he's angry, he's sad. Like, it feels like he's still got that in him. It was cool to see Vin acting as opposed to just Vin as like a got nothing but time. Not that I don't love that, but I like seeing the other side of him. We we talk a lot on, in Too Fast that Roman had like some freedom in his delivery and that his go-to improvisations were take my shirt off and eat, right? Like those yep. are like his two go-tos. When did Vin Diesel get to the point, because we don't have this in one, but like <laughs> when he has to d- deliver a serious line, he just like grunts it. Because he does it in this movie a lot, too. And it's an evolution of, like, his acting style. Where he's like, I don't remember. You know what I mean? Like, every line that he has to give that is like, oh, this is serious. You should pay attention to this. It's like, I'm going to Vin Diesel this line up a little bit. Think that he could, like, he could deliver it and be like, like, I can't believe they killed her. You know, with, like, some emotion. He's like, I can't believe they killed her. (laughs) He, like, he banes every, every line that he has to do that is, like, serious. He just turns into Bane and then just delivers it that way. Yeah, I want, I mean, (laughs) I think at a certain point, everybody kind of becomes a caricature of themselves. Like, with very few exceptions, I think that, like, Daniel Day Lewis is, I mean, he's also like a caricature in a way, but like he doesn't repeat himself. You know what I mean? But like, yes. At some point, you're casting Vin Diesel, you're casting Nicolas Cage, you're casting Tom Cruise because they are the actor that they are in almost everything that they do, right? Yeah, and, like, but you have like the opposite with like um with Christian Bale or like yeah. Joaquin, right? Like so, they I have mean, like those, huge yeah, diversity, those are, right? Those are much fewer and farther between. Like there are a handful of those kind of guys, and then there's the, like basically every action star. Like for better or worse, like Robert Downey Jr. is like the handsome, wisecracking, bad boy, rebellious, whatever, charismatic, gonna get in trouble, like, in everything he does. And it's not a bad thing, because it helps you establish the character, but Vin Diesel is the same guy where he's just, like, brooding and emotional and never gonna lose and so on and so forth, right? So it just it was it was fun to, to like listen to too. Like as the movie went on and he starts delivering lines like that, I'm like, oh, this is just fully Dom. This is just like late Fast and Furious Dom. So he's just like, I don't remember. Or like, you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. you'll pay for this. Did you notice the second bad guy in this that he kills the first guy, he kills Toby, uh the psycho killer. Which one? Dancer. Okay, yeah. Okay. And then he goes to that house where he meets Lamorne Morris. And did you catch the bad guy's name is Nick Barris? Nick Burris? Very, very close to Nick Burris. No, I didn't catch that. B-A-R-I-S. And I was like, oh, damn. No. Wow. I wonder if Nick's excited about that. Nick, let us know. No, I didn't notice that. That is cool. That's a little cool connection. That's a specific too fast connection. Yeah. Not a fast connection, but yeah, too fast connection. One of the first 
connections, one of the first fast connections that I caught was that they go back to Italy. And I was trying to remember, is the Toretto's are Italian, right? Yes, the Toretto's are Italian. Because they've kind of co-opted Colombian and Hispanic culture a little bit, but they are Italian by blood. Correct? I think, or I think that maybe like his dad was and maybe his mom was Spanish. It would make sense. But Dom isn't like as Cuban or Dominican. Well, he has the Dominican cousin, remember? Does have family in Cuba. Or was it a Cuban cousin? Yeah, his well, cousin's Cuban. Yeah, sorry, his cousin, yeah in the beginning of Fate, he's in his, his Cuban cousin. Yeah, exactly. So, so he is at least part Cuban somewhere. I mean, there is, I think that's an intentional decision by Vin Diesel. Because if you remember, there was, there's a, uh, I think maybe the first thing he did or one of the very first things he did was in 1995. And I don't know if we've talked about this, but it's, there's a short film called Multifacial which is he wrote it, directed it, produced it, and scored it, and starred we in it. We talked about this, yeah. I think that he has always... People have written about this a lot. Like, he's sort of embodied the way that we talk about, like, you can kind of see whoever you are, you're able to see yourself kind of in the Fastiverse. Like, I feel like yes. whoever you are, you can kind of see yourself in Vin Diesel, too, which I think is kind of a cool thing. And I think that's maybe why they haven't explicitly leaned into, like... Sure, he has Cuban cousins, but it doesn't mean he's Cuban. Like, he kind of feels like he has that Italian Yeah, his name's vibe. Italian, kinda... but he's not, like, super Italian, right? right? Like Exactly. Yeah. But in the beginning of this movie, they go to the Amalfi Coast in Italy, and I was like, oh, okay. And then there's the scene where he and Tallulah are in bed, and I was like, this feels very much like him and Letty at the beginning of either 6 or 7, right? But it also feels like there's candles. And also, by the way, there are three candles lit in the Fast and Furious <laughs> Minutes. On the, on, the, on the coffee table in the living room. I was kind of saying, like, this is a little bit, like, him, like, Dom and Lenny, but also with, like, candles there, too, so it was a little bit either early fast or just, like, Tommy Wiseau in the room. Like, just a little bit, like, how do we make this more romantic? Lace and candles. Yeah, well, that always works. Always. One of the first things that I see is when Dom is, like, his first, like, break, right? Like, when he goes to kill the guy that was that did the dance number so this is in the in the tunnel the truck crash and then he just does the whole thing in the tunnel right yes before that he goes he goes down to the the garage to take a car and i'm like what car is he gonna take right, right. this is really cool you know what he goes with what's he ford f-150 he takes a Ooh. ford truck and i was like oh even bloodshot goes american i yeah. get it yeah but then we come back in the second time and he's with his the man in the chair, Winston or yeah, with Wilson. Winston, Winston from New Girl. We can just call him Winston. That's fine. No, his name in the movie is something very similar to the William, like Wilson. His name in this is Wilfred Wiggins. Wiggins, sorry, that's what he calls him. He calls him Wiggins. It's also very startling, very startling for me to hear him in a British accent because he's not British. And like, oh, he's I, not. No, uh, he pulled it off, but like. I don't think he is, because, like, otherwise, on New Girl for eight seasons and, like, 150 episodes or whatever, or 200, whatever. How He's had an English accent, an yeah. American accent. Yeah. Okay, so he goes downstairs, and he goes to get into a car, and you know what I think he tries to get into? What's that? A Dodge Challenger. Oh. He, like, he, like, reaches for the Challenger, and then Wiggins goes, no, don't take that, take this, there's no electronics in this. Which is a very cipher, very Fate of the Furious, something that we've seen a lot. Like, we can't uh, let them, like, don't let it be controlled. Yes, but I d- saw it in passing. I didn't feel like stopping the movie, but it really looks like a challenger to me. I was like, oh, man, that's really funny that there's Dodge running through this movie. And with all the Jeeps in the movie anyway, so I was like, mm, probably. And you think that he gets into an MG? I think so. It's either, like, an old MG or an old Jaguar. I could tell aesthetically that it looks British. It's, it kind of has the... Bond James Bondy feel. Yeah. yeah. The, so the second time in the movie that the Talking Head song, the Psycho Killer song plays, 
I was yes. like, in what world are the Talking Heads? Is this song this popular that like <laughs> it's it's played by the villain and then like you just hear it on the radio? And then I was like, oh, I bet it's a setup. Like I get it. Like, but like there's oh, a moment where my brain was just like, that. my brain was just like, oh. Why is why is this song the most popular song in the world? It's like, oh no, they're playing it to like get a reaction from him. Okay. Wow, I didn't no, I didn't catch it then. I thought that like it just came on somehow. So they took me for a loop there. Well, because I think they want to make sure that the memory gets triggered, that he, he is yes. inspired, right? So yeah. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They need to draw the memory out of him because it was a big song, but it's also like thirty something years old, like thirty years ago or whatever, right? So like. Was it really 30 years ago that the song came out? I'm guessing it's in the 80s. Let's see here. Psycho Killer song. Psycho Killer came out in... Oh, 43 years ago. 1977. Jesus. Holy fuck. So yeah, so it's like a very specific... I mean, it's a popular song, but it's like... Okay, so I can see a villain like as like ooh I'm a I'm a weird like it's kind of like a very you know what it is uh, American Psycho it's a very Patrick Bateman move like from American Psycho where he's yes. like Huey like he's at the whole Huey Lewis in the news like sports like this album like and what I'm saying here is like my precursor to killing you right like, it feels like in a way that the villain this is, is my like, soundtrack yes yeah that this is the soundtrack to my life this is and not in the hip hop song soundtrack to my life who's that Kid Cudi yeah Kid Cudi I'm a psycho killer like look at me and then you you're the rocket man the rock then when they played again i was like there's like, there's no radio station in the world in which unless you're listening to like 70s on 7 on Sirius that like this is ever going to come on and so i was like oh there's something there's something weird here and then yeah fair yes yeah you were right i'm just too smart bloodshot didn't get you with no, the, with no, the no, epic no. twist of the of the movie here one of the last fast connections that i have the whole elevator fight scene. Oh, yep. Wrote that down, like Hobbs and Shaw. It's very Hobbs and Shaw. Like, almost too much, like, to the point where I was like, Vin, come on, man. It's the outdoor side of the building. Glass elevator. elevator. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I was like, dude, like, really? We just saw this. Like, we, we <laughs> literally just saw it, bud. Like, I get that you're mad at The Rock, but, like, but like really? Because this is, you know what, to be honest, I was just more disappointed in Vin. What if we actually uncovered, like, the secret beef like it's not that he's upset that Hobbs and Shaw spun off but he had because he's a producer or whatever he had like early access this also might not be true but just as a theory and he saw all this early footage and like Bloodshot is in you know storyboarding development phase and he sees Hobbs and Shaw which is going to beat his movie to theaters by six or seven or eight months or whatever and he's like shit all these big action beats like they got E.T. on they got this elevator thing they got this they got that they're like man cyborg and he just like harbors this resentment that like that's what i was saying or he's sitting there he's like going through the script right because like the script has to not be that new and he like has it sitting there and like he leaves it on like his like director's chair at like fast eight at fade and the rock picks up and is like bloodshot what is this this looks pretty cool when he starts flipping through he's like elevator fight scene i kind of dig that and then they're like what if we did a Hobbs and Shaw movie and Vin Diesel's like, you motherfuckers. Like, you stole everything from me. And that's why he was so mad. So, like, uh, very similar to what you're saying, but, like, The Rock just, like, bumbles through it. Like, I can't imagine The Rock is that dumb. But no. at the same time, like, there, I, this has to be the resentment, right? That, like, Vin's like, I'm gonna do a different movie. It's gonna be, it's not gonna be, like, Fast and the Furious. It's gonna be about a superhuman. It's gonna be about all these things. And then, like, they're like, here's the script for Hobbs and Shaw. Do you want to read it and he's like motherfuck like this is the exact same movie that i was just about to do without these guys yeah 
<sighs> I also feel like everything that's going on is like much higher level. Like they're not actually leaving scripts in places, but I also do like the idea where like they're just it's like corporate <laughs> espionage where they're just like, oh, let's make this movie in this universe, but do it quicker and make Vin look bad for some. Like it's just a weird. <laughs> no, a I don't think they would want to piss like Vin off. I really think that they probably started doing Hobbs and Shaw. Like they started like writing the script for it, and Vin saw it. And just he was the only one that knew both of these existed. You know what I mean? Like, because he's like dealing with like the studio with like Bloodshot. He's dealing with the studio with Hobbs and Shaw. He has to be early in Hobbs and Shaw, right? Because he's like a creative person mm-hmm. involved in Fast and the Furious. So they had to be like, this is like what the storyboard looks like now. And he like can't be like, no, don't do any of this. They would know that he's doing the same movie, or they'd be like, why are you trying to like not do this elevator fight scene? It seems pretty cool, you know, like glass elevator right. fight scene. And he'd be like, motherfucker. <laughs> God damn you guys. I have a few more notes from the end of the movie. Number one, God. when Isaac Gonzalez starts kicking ass, I was like, where has this been all movie? Like, this is so yeah. cool. And, like, all movie long, she's sidelined. But at the end, when she finally is like, enough is enough. I'm tired of them, you know, screwing over Bloodshot. I'm going to help him. I'm yeah. like, why has she been sidelined all movie? Like, I get that it's well, his Well, because she couldn't breathe. I guess. But I was just like, come on, man. Like, like not only is it like you're taking something away from the female character here, but it just feels like... As a movie, it would be much more interesting if there was another badass person either fighting against him or with him or whatever. You know what I mean? Also, how Little Mermaid is it that, like, they have her voice? Like, she is a mermaid. She can breathe underwater. Mm-hmm. And then they also just, like, turn her voice off and don't let her breathe whenever. So, like, yeah. I just fair. I just was thinking about the Little Mermaid situation going on there when you were... Because t- I was thinking, like, why didn't she turn on them? And the only reason why she doesn't turn on them is because she can't breathe. And I also thought that, like, at the end when she, like, kills the, the evil, like, you know, her boss... I thought that she, like, throws, like, a smoke grenade, and I thought that he wasn't going to be able to breathe and just, like, died of asphyxiation, because I think that would have been, like, a really cool way to be, like, you remember, because he, like, stops and, like, is, like, no, you can't breathe, and, like, turns her off. I'm like, yeah, I would just fucking strangle this guy and be like, now you can't breathe. Yeah. But, no, she doesn't. But like, no. he gets away and then blows him up later or something. Oh, I wrote down, like, just like Fave the Furious, there's a hack-off at the end of this movie. I was like, come on, like, there's got to be something more visually interesting than them that it's just like, all right, like, he's doing this, so I'm going to do this. It's like, come on, guy. Like, I understand that that's the way that, like, the world kind of works now, but at the same time, come on. It's not that cool. I no. agree. I've never seen this in a movie before. I don't know why the guy in the Ant-Man-esque, like, the wasp suit, or not the wasp suit, but the other guy, like, the, the Corey Stoll guy, what's his character's name? Yellow Jacket. Like, the kind of, like, they got the, yeah, the Doc Ock, like, the arms, but the dude... Yeah. Blew it was a snot rocket. I was like, what? <laughs> like, he just, like, puts a finger to his nose and just, this. like, shoots snot at the... I was like, like, mid-battle, I was like, is this supposed to be cool? I don't know. I don't know. I totally missed that. I'm sorry. I just... Straight over my head. Super, super weird, man. Very weird, yeah. That's an interesting technique. I can see if Dom did it, because he could, like, blown some nanites at them. You know what I mean? Like, maybe he has attack nanites that live in his nose or something, but... <laughs> Just like a tax knot? Yeah, he would have like shot it and they would have like crawled in his ear and yeah. like blew his brain up from the inside or something. Yeah. That would have been kind of cool. Anything else that you want to say about Bloodshot before we uh, sign off and let people know what they're going to be watching for next week? No, the only other note that we didn't touch... Dom at the beginning, there's two things at the beginning. One, it looks like the favelas. Oh, yeah. When they're mm-hmm. in Kenya. Mm-hmm. I was like, oh, okay, so we're just back here. And then two, like one of the first things Dom says, he's like duty first and i'm like not family first bro like what are we Ooh. doing here duty first and then it's like duty first and then he like hugs his wife immediately so i was like oh so it's duty first and then family immediately afterwards not family first and then like cars immediately <sighs> afterwards his priorities are, are, are discombobulated in this one so yeah that was it that was my last two notes cool all right so next week joe 
we're doing another two episodes as life Are basically we? with no sports two episodes a week essentially like wh- even Fair. i watch more baseball you watch more hockey we both watch a lot of football but until there's no sports or i don't want to say definitively but like figure pretty much as long as there's no sports two a week so next week Easy, yeah. You and I are doing, on Tuesday, we're doing patron pick this rap, this lap number two. So we already did mm-hmm. Ben Milliman's two-lane blacktop, right? This Tuesday, we are doing Nick Burris's pick, Nick Barris. Barris. This movie. Nick Burris's pick of Hollywood Nights. The Hollywood Nights, which I think is from, I want to say, like, 1977? That sounds about right. I, I looked this up last right. night. 1980, so the Hollywood Knights, led by their comedic and pranking leader. So I think it might be kind of a comedy. Oh, Tony Dance is in this movie. And Fran Drescher. Yeah, this is the Tony Dance movie. And Michelle Pfeiffer. Wow. I told you I'm going to tell my Tony Dance's story on that episode. Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, So that's going to be Tuesday, Hollywood Knights. The Hollywood Knights from Nick Burris on Tuesday. And then on Friday, you and I are going to do another three-minute Nas, sorry, NOS boost that's the last one I'm ever going to say. Nitrous NOS. Oxide Systems. Uh, Nitrous yes, oxide we're going to do another systems. Nas boost for the Fast and Furious Minutes. I think it's going to be like 46 through 48. And then after that, we'll go back to Fast Five with a guest. But next, we've got the Hollywood Knights. We've got a Nas boost number two. So another week of good stuff coming up. I think so. Any other last thoughts about anything we talked about? Or should we uh, just thank Jeep one more time and come back next week? We're coming back next week. Thank you, Jeep. For all things Too Fast, Too Forever, you can go to cageclub.me, facebook.com slash forever or at forever on Twitter and Instagram. Email us, family at cageclub.me. Please leave us an iTunes review. Thank you so very much. Go to patreon.com slash forever if you want to help control what we watch or just to support us or just to, you know, give thanks or whatever. I don't know. Come back next week for The Hollywood Nights, which I don't think is streaming for free anywhere, but I think you can rent it for three or four bucks most places. And oh, then cool. on Friday, the Nas Boost, three bonus minutes of the Fast and Furious, the original one, as we get further. And as, you know, every time we get to a new scene, we don't talk about it in a minute here, but like I'm like, oh, okay, here. like Because I was like, what's after the barbecue? Oh, okay, this is the scene where Vince... I'm like, okay, cool. Like, I'm sort of seeing how it all comes together, because I know Same. the overall structure of the movie, but I don't know literally... What scene orders what? Yeah. I can tell you all the scenes, but not what order they come in. Exactly. And hopefully this upcoming Friday will be as good as last Friday, where we had like three really nice minutes in a row. We'll see how it shakes out. Yeah. I'm Joey Lewandowski. I'm Joe, too. And we'll see you next time right here on Too Fast, Too Forever. Peace out, you anus. anus.